It's been fun to, even just before the service, connect with people that I hadn't seen much during the summer. People have been asking me if, if Sally and I had a good summer, and, uh, and we did. It was, a, it was a great summer. In fact, I was just thinking that just a month ago, I had one of the best nights of my life, probably in the top 25 anyway. Sunday night, um, beautiful, warm night. I got to play tennis doubles with three guys that I really... Uh, enjoy and appreciate. We played on the new UNI tennis courts. Have you seen their beautiful courts? We played under the lights. You know, it was just a warm evening, but no bugs at that point. It was just great. It was sort of my ideal um, picture of what a, what a tennis game would be like. And then about 10 o'clock, I grabbed some, uh, some trail mix and a pair of binoculars, and I headed out into the country uh, drove about 20 miles out toward Grundy Center, toward Lincoln Center, that, that area, and went down a little gravel road between some cornfields. And I just sat for an hour and a half or so and just looked at the stars. And there was no moon that night. There was the second night of the Perseid meteor shower. It was incredible. There was not a sound other than the, the crickets and the cicadas. And, and the stars were amazing. Even, even with just a, a pair of binoculars, I would focus on an area where I could see like, you know, maybe three or four stars in an area. I'd focus the, uh, the binoculars on. There were hundreds of stars, even in that area. The sky was just full of them. And it was just this glorious time of being in awe of God and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't help but worship him. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of experience. It was, it was a great, it was a great night. One of the best I've had in a long time. Now, as I tell you about that, I, I'm sure that some of you are thinking, that's the best night he's ever had? <laughs> Sitting out in a cornfield? You know? But for some of you, I bet you say, oh man, that sounds awesome. You know, I've had experiences like that too. I think what's going on here is, that God made us as such unique people that the ways that we relate to God, that we know him and worship him and experience his closeness in our lives may be kind of unique to us as well. And so as Jeff mentioned, we're in this series where we're trying to understand more about ourselves, not that that's an end in itself, although that's a really good thing, but that knowing some things about ourselves are gonna help us in our relationship with God. It will help us to know him better to worship him more, to serve him in a better way. And so what we're talking about today are what we're calling pathways, spiritual pathways, and we're gonna be looking at nine of them today that hopefully you'll be able to find in there a way that you relate to God, a way that you experience God, a way that you're able to, to worship and know him and be close to him. Before we get into that, I feel like I need to say what we're not saying. And maybe you've heard people say this kind of illustration before, too, that, you know, all religions are basically the same, and it's like there's a mountain, and God is at the top, and the Buddhist is climbing up this way, and the, the Hindu is climbing up this way, and the Christian's climbing up this way, in different ways, but we're all moving closer to God. I think that's, that's I know, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, it seems as if we can understand that Jesus is the way by which we come into a relationship with God. I want to read you Acts chapter 4, uh, a couple verses. 
It says, you know, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. This is after a healing's taking place. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Now listen to this next verse. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It seems pretty clear that the teaching that we have had and believed you know, for the last 2,000 years in the Christian church is that there's one way that God has provided for us to come into a relationship with him, and it's through Jesus Christ. So I'm not saying anything other than that, but what I am saying is that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you follow him, if you believe in him, then trying to find the ways that you're best going to be able to follow him and serve him and know him is really important for us in our lives. Some of you have heard me tell the story of when I was in high school, I had quite an honor. I was chosen. I was, lived in Indiana. Um, I was chosen one of two high school seniors from Indiana to go to Washington, D.C. for a governmental conference, and the highlight of the conference was going to be that we would get to meet uh, the president at that time, who was Abraham Lincoln. You know, so that's what you were thinking, weren't you? you no. Know, it almost seems that way. It was President Kennedy. John Kennedy was the president then, and I was really into politics at that point in my life, and, uh, and he was kind of my hero, and so the thought of getting to go to Washington and meet him personally was just the high point of my life at that point. So I went to the conference, and we came to that one session where the president was going to be there. We were going to get to ask questions, interact with him, and uh, I talked a lot, maybe more than I should have asked questions. So after, after this meeting is done, we got in a line, and we all went through and got to shake the president's hand. And when I got to the president, got to meet him, he invited, he said he appreciated, you know, the comments that I'd made and the questions that I asked. He invited me and another delegate, a girl from Connecticut or someplace, to come to the White House the next day to have breakfast with the president of the United States. So I said, that is a huge honor. Thank you so much. But um, some of my friends and I have planned to go to IHOP for breakfast because of, you know, the endless stack of pancakes there at IHOP. Okay, I just made up that whole story. But I did it to try to make a point. And the point is this. When you... Sober up now. When you... When you heard that story, didn't you think I was an idiot? It wasn't your first reaction? How could anybody be so stupid to turn down a chance to know and to spend time with the President of the United States to go to IHOP? Not that IHOP is not a place that's a close second, probably. I think what God is saying to us is that the God of the universe, the God of creation, the God who made you, the God who is in the core of his being, everything that is good and right and beautiful, that God invites you, you know, into a relationship with him. He says, you know, I, I want you to know me better. I want to be able to spend time with you. I want to be a part of your life. How, can we be so stupid that we would turn down that invitation? Could we replace that with something else in our lives that maybe seems more important to us than developing that relationship with God? So what I'm hoping can happen in these next few minutes is that as we talk about these pathways, 
you'll not only get some understanding, but maybe some motivation to say, you know, I could take that next step. I could begin walking in that pathway because that's, that's one that really relates to me, that resonates with my heart and life. So let's go, go at them. These nine pathways are really from a book by a guy named Gary Thomas. And um, they're, they're not real clear. They overlap a little bit. But I hope they'll give us a sense of, uh, of what we're talking about, of ways that we can figure out or that we can know and relate to God. Um, I'm going to have to use notes on this. I tried memorizing them. It didn't work. So uh, I'm just going to use this as a... A reference for us. Okay, here's the first one. And by the way, let me say this whole list of nine of them is on a on a handout that you could pick up at the Welcome Center in the in the atrium today, or on the new website. You know, going to resources under Orchard Hill Church and find them there. Okay, here's the first one: the naturalist, which is loving God out of doors. <sighs> well, I think for a lot of us, this just really makes sense that you've had that experience of being so feeling so close to God, you know, when you're outside, when you're sitting on a beach or when you're in the mountains. I remember one time uh, when I was um, pastoring a church in, in Denver, Colorado, and we took kids up to, in the mountains to this retreat place, and it was starting to snow so heavy, the forecast was pretty bad. We decided we would have to leave early in order to get home at all. Um, so we had to walk a fair distance from where this lodge was down to where the cars were parked. And for a reason I won't go into, I had to sort of stay like halfway down this path to mark the spot so people could come back and bring, because we needed to look for something. So I stood there, and the kids were talking and laughing. They're going down the path, and pretty soon they were gone. I couldn't hear them anymore. And it was just me in the mountains and this snow coming down, and the flakes were so big and wet that I could hear the snow hitting the, the branches, the leaves on the trees, hitting the ground, you know. It was just this awesome moment of feeling the presence of God so deeply, you know. Have you ever had that experience in nature? You know, a time when you just watch the sunset and you're just in awe of God? There's one point where, where people are praising Jesus and, uh, and some of the Jewish leaders are upset because Jesus is getting this kind of worship. And Jesus says, I tell you, you know, if these people weren't praising me, you know, the very rocks would cry out. Have you ever had that kind of experience where you almost couldn't stop yourself from praising God? You're just overwhelmed by it. Well, a lot of people experience that in nature. And I think that's really biblical. Um, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. In the first chapter of Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote this. So what can be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what is being made so that men are without excuse. In nature, we learn a lot about God, and in nature, we can draw close to him. So I would guess for a lot of you, that's been your experience, and that's one of your pathways. Now, we better move on. If we have nine of these to do, we will be here till roughly Tuesday afternoon if we don't keep going. Next one, the sensate. This is loving God through your senses, not, uh, not just through your eyes, you know, but through the sense of touch, through hearing and taste. Not just through nature, but in other things that you experience as well. Um, 
Ezekiel was an Old Testament prophet, and he had a, a really neat experience. I want to read to you how he described it. He, he's having this vision about God, and I want you to notice how God uses all of his senses here you know, to communicate with, with Ezekiel and to help Ezekiel feel close to him. So this is from the first chapter of this prophetic book in the Old Testament. He says, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north. So he's feeling the wind starting to blow, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. And the center of the fire looked like glowing metal. And above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. And I saw that from what appeared to be the waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so that the radiance around him, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. This, this overwhelming experience that Ezekiel had just involved all of his senses. He felt the wind, he heard the voice of God, he saw this vision of this glowing, you know, burning figure, you know, and it overwhelmed him. Our senses can be, in fact, later on in the book of Ezekiel, it actually involves the sense of taste, too. God has him eat something, you know, and, and the taste is there. You can experience God through what you hear. You can experience God through what you feel. I can think of times in my life when I have felt, physically felt something that just made me feel so close to God. Maybe you're one of those people who love to involve your senses, and if so, you might have that pathway of being a sensate. Let's go into the next one, the traditionalist, loving God through ritual and symbol. We don't have a lot of tradition, a lot of ritual here at Orchard Hill. It's interesting that Years ago, maybe 20 years ago, we, we sort of did a survey at Orchard Hill and discovered that about 10% of the people who attended Orchard Hill were from a Roman Catholic background, which was kind of surprising to us because the way worship is done in, the, in a higher church, a Roman Catholic kind of tradition, is very different from the more casual kind of worship that we have here. But then an interesting thing happened over the years then that some, maybe a lot, of those former Roman Catholics went back to the Catholic Church. And the reason they did, for some of them anyway, was that they really needed that, that tradition, that ritual, in order to feel close to God. You know, that in, in those prayers that, that they knew, that they said over and over again, that they experienced a closeness to God that comes from that kind of ritual and tradition. And maybe that's your experience as well, that you need to kind of build into your life those, those times of tradition and ritual because they make you feel, they help you to feel close to God. I've been uh, trying to do that myself uh, lately. Uh, if you, were you at the gathering at the Gallagher Blue Dorn uh, the end of last month? The very first song that was sung and presented for us was a song called um, So Will I beautiful video going with it, and this powerful message. It just, it moved me deeply. And so I decided I was going to incorporate that song into my time with God. And so, not every day, but a lot of days, I begin my time that I'm 
personally spending with God by going online, pulling up that song, because there are a lot of different versions of it online, and listening to that song, you know, hearing those words, and building in that tradition you know, that, that is helping me to draw close to God and to experience him. Had that, had that experience, too, sometimes when... Um, both Sally and I had gone to a camp in Colorado when we were in college, and we'd always, they also had a, a family camp there, and we decided that when we had kids, we would take our family there. So we, we used to, for many years, go to Bear Trap Ranch in Colorado. And the neatest thing would happen to me, because that was a place where I had encountered God and experienced him in such a deep way as a college student, that I just knew that that when I went there, God would be there, that God would meet with me. And it seemed like every time, you know, we'd pull around the, the bend in the mountain road and there's this little valley there with Bear Trap Ranch down there. And as soon as we would turn around and I, and I saw that, the buildings there and that place, I just felt God. There was that tradition, you know, that if I go to that place, I'm going to experience God there. I have every time that I've gone. Maybe you're a traditionalist. Maybe you need to work at building into your life some of those traditions that you know help you to experience and draw near to God. Next, uh, the ascetic, loving God in solitude and simplicity. Man, is this a hard one to, to practice in our society today, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever heard of Brother Lawrence. He was a monk, and he wrote a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. He lived in a monastery. And he had simple jobs like, like sweeping the kitchen floor. And he experienced God just sweeping the kitchen floor. In, in that simple, simple task, he felt close to God and he felt God's approval. approval. Maybe, maybe for you too, you know, you find that it, in those times of quiet and solitude, God seems to be there. In the very simple things of life, you experience God and you're able to worship him and to know him better. I think that can be true for a lot of people and maybe it's true for you as well. Um, there's a, another of the Old Testament prophets was a guy named Elijah who uh, was a great fiery prophet for God in the Old Testament. And at one point, he's really needing God. He's needing to feel God's approval in his life, his closeness. And he describes... Uh, his experience this way. This is in 1 Kings chapter 19. So the Lord said to Elijah, he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then, after the fire came a gentle whisper. Remember the Bible that I grew up with, the King James Bible used to say, a still, small voice, a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. In the quiet, sometimes we're able to experience God in a way that is overshadowed by all the noise and busyness of our lives. And if you have found in your life, or if you think maybe it could be true that you experience God best in those quiet, alone moments, I would just encourage you to seek them out, to create them in your life if you're one of those people for, for whom that becomes important for you.
Um, the activist is ne next, loving God through confrontation. I mean, Jesus was a, a confrontational person, wasn't he? He stood up for what was right, and he was not afraid. He didn't back down. And maybe it's at those times when you take a stand against evil, take a stand for what is right, that you sense, you know, God smiling at you, that God is pleased and God feels close to you. If so, maybe that's, maybe that's a pathway. Maybe you need to realize that, that God is calling you to that. You need to be careful with this pathway that you don't become overly judgmental, but maybe that's a way that you're going to be experiencing God as well. Um, we're going to keep moving on here. Next is the caregiver. I wish this, had, this pathway had been called service or something that a caregiver, I think it um, maybe limits our thinking, but the idea is ways, times in which we are serving others are times when we feel close to God. Remember that story that Jesus told in, in Matthew, it's recorded in Matthew 25, where he talks about the Son of Man himself when he comes, you know, on the clouds of glory with his holy angels, and he gathers all the people before him, and he divides them as a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. And he says to those on his right hand, you know, come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was sick and you visited me naked and you clothed me and then they say to him you know wow when when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and etc and jesus says you remember jesus says every time that you did it for the least of these you were doing it for me have you had that experience of when you're serving someone else when you're giving of yourself to someone else that you just sense that you're doing this for jesus I do, uh, something, something I do is I, I read uh, on the radio for the blind, and it's kind of an interesting experience, we read the Waterloo Courier, um, that I'm in this little booth, you know, with a microphone, and I have no idea if there's anybody out there listening, you know, I, you don't get any feedback from it, you just go in and you do it, but every time I do it, I just sense whether anybody is out there listening or not, whether it's helping anybody or not. I feel like I'm doing it in Jesus' name. I'm doing it for him. And that makes, makes God feel very close to me at that moment. You know? If you're one of those people who experiences God when you do it for the least of them, whether it's working at the food bank or, or uh, whatever you're doing to help someone else, if you feel God, you feel like that's a part of your worship, you know, I'd encourage you in that. Um, the next is an enthusiast, loving God with mystery and celebration. Uh, are you one of those people who love it when the music is loud and everybody's clapping and it's just this overwhelming sense, you know, of enthusiasm and joy and celebration? If you're one of those people, boy, seek out those experiences, you know. Worship God in that way. Sense his presence as you celebrate who he is. That's really biblical. Like uh, Psalm 150, the last psalm in the Bible says, Praise you, the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him for his mighty acts of love. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the loud cymbal. Praise him with the high cymbal. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Does that resonate with you? You know, maybe you're one of those people who, who worships God as an enthusiast. We got to get through these last couple. The contemplative, loving God through adoration. Thinking about God. 
You know, the Bible, the Bible says, you know, that when I consider the heavens, it says in Psalm 8, you know, I think about what God is. This is one of those that really strikes home with me because sometimes I just need to think about what I believe about God and how I can understand that God is everywhere and that God created all of this. And I think about God, and that helps me to know him and relate to him. It's a lot like the last one, the intellectual, loving God with the mind, which is kind of the same thing as the contemplative, but it involves other people. You know, entering into dialogue and debate about God and faith, you know, helps you to move closer to God. So, so those are the nine pathways. And again, if you would like a, a copy of those, a list of those, you could pick it up at the, at the Welcome Center or go online and get it. Um, let me just say a couple of uh, things about them in particular. One is, once you figure out what your pathway is, lean into it, take steps in that direction. Uh, you may have to work at that, especially times when God feels far away, when it seems as if God isn't so real in your life, then, then move into that pathway, take a step that way. Maybe you're not even a believer in Jesus yet, but maybe taking a step down one of those pathways is actually going to be that first step in the journey that's going to lead you to faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'd encourage you to do that, to realize that everyone's are different. Your spouse's pathway may be different from yours. I think that's one of the things that takes place with our teaching team here at Orchard, that as teachers, we tend to teach out of our pathway to the things that we're passionate about, the ways that we have experienced God. So it might be that after a Sunday, like today, you go out and somebody is saying, wow, that was a, that was a great teaching. And you're going, what? Did we, did we listen to the same teaching? That didn't touch me at all, you know? Because it may be that that was a pathway that struck home with somebody, but it didn't with you. Find your pathway, experience, lean into it. Um, so I would just encourage you to begin to take those kinds of steps. Knowing God, accepting that invitation to come and live life in a relationship with him, taking steps in that direction. It, it's monumental in our lives. Um, I'm going to close now and just ask for God's help in this. Uh, it's kind of interesting, Lord, that we're, we're such different people, and so the ways that we relate to you are pretty unique as well. I would pray for myself and for these friends that we would be able to figure out, you know, maybe there's one of those that really made sense, that, uh, that struck a chord in our hearts, and that we would uh, seek to walk that path closer and closer to you, that we would find that worship becomes natural in that setting, that your nearness seems so real and so positive. So I would pray, Lord, that we would be a people who walk that, that pathway that draws us closer to you through your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.